Welcome to Premier Pain Talk, a podcast dedicated to expanding awareness about treatment options for people in pain. Each week, host Dr. Michael Danko from Premier Pain Treatment Institute in Cincinnati, Ohio, will discuss cutting-edge treatments for pain management that are improving the quality of life for those suffering from chronic pain. Tune in now to learn more about how to relieve pain and restore your life. Hello and welcome to Fair Pain Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Danko. Uh, with me today, I have a good friend, uh, Dr. Anjum Bucks out of uh, Kentucky. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a treatment for a condition called spinal stenosis that is, that is called the mild procedure or minimally invasive lumbar decompression. Uh, and then we're going to uh, talk a little bit at the end about something called an intrathecal pump and, and uh, uh, how that may benefit patients as well. Uh, but the the Starting out uh, today's podcast, going to uh, introduce Dr. Bucks and, and have him uh, tell all of you listeners a bit about his practice in Kentucky. Welcome, Dr. Bucks. Thank you, Michael, um, and happy to be part of this. I think it's a great thing you're doing for patients, very informative for them. I've heard a couple of your other podcasts. I would encourage listeners definitely to, to go back and listen to all of these. It's got a lot of information. But uh, uh, thanks for having me on. I, uh, I grew up in Kentucky. Uh, I grew up in Danville, Kentucky, which is a little town just south of Lexington. Uh, went to Center College there and then uh, trained at the University of Kentucky. Um, did my uh, anesthesia residency and, and pain uh, work there uh, under Dr. Bill Witt, uh, who is kind of the father of, of low-dose pump. And that's really how I got introduced to the pump there. But uh, I basically... Stayed in Kentucky, uh, joined my father's practice. Uh, he was an anesthesiologist, pain physician, and did both anesthesia and pain management for a while. And over the last four years, I've, I've just kind of took the dive and, and gone to 100% pain management. So we've grown our practice to encompass kind of all of the central Kentucky. Uh, we're in uh, Danville, Kentucky, Lexington, Cincinnati, and uh, close to your neck of the woods in Maysville. Yeah, and so yeah, we're not we're uh, so I guess Maysville's kind of maybe a little bit the dividing line. So that's uh, right on that the Ohio River there. And so move a little north there, you get into to Dr. Danko country. Move a little south there, you're into Dr. Buck's country. <laughs> so uh, you know, one of the most common conditions we treat is something called spinal stenosis. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people are very com- uh, very familiar with with the concept of a of a herniated disc or a pinched nerve or uh some of the more acute issues that we deal with but but spinal stenosis is is a chronic condition and it's something that develops more slowly over time and and I think it's a little bit harder for patients to kind of conceptualize and understand what those symptoms are uh so I th- I was hoping you could just uh, give a little bit of an overview of of what spinal stenosis is and what the the symptoms are yeah certainly um, you know, spinal stenosis is really just compression of your nerves, and, and that compression can be, like you said, from a herniated disc or a bulging disc, and that's from the front part of your spine. Um, but uh, it also can be developing over time with uh, thickened ligaments, degenerative changes, arthritis. Uh, a lot of this, uh, these symptoms are found in, in older patients. Um, and basically, it's it's what causes the pain that, you know, kind of that aching pain in your back, the pain that goes down your legs. Uh, a lot of the pain that people have when they uh, 
and walking and standing. Um, and you know, I'm sure you've heard from your patients that uh, you know, people can't stand it. They're sick to wash dishes or they can't stand to, to cook uh, because they start developing pain in their back and legs. So really, that's what's called neurogenic <laughs> claudication. And that is basically the development of compression of the nerves as people stay longer and walk, walk further that, uh, that is due to spinal stenosis. And really, that part of spinal stenosis is from the thickened ligaments in, in the back that develop over time due to arthritis, due to these degenerative changes. Um, also, you have some, some nerve compression there that could be in the middle or on the sides, uh, lateral stenosis. When uh, when we're looking at evaluating patients with stenosis, one thing that as medical providers we may talk about is something that we we coin the the shopping cart sign. Uh, and and uh, explain for our listeners what the shopping cart sign is, or or what a classic look for someone with stenosis is. So if you if you think about your spine, uh, you know it's you really have the, the vertebral bodies in the front, and it's kind of open in the back. So as you develop this stenosis, it really gets kind of closed off and thickened from, from the back. And the, the way that people relieve the pain is to lean forward. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of these elderly people that, that kind of have to lean forward and, and lean on a walker or lean on a shopping cart or uh, cane or something. And that helps them relieve the pain and allow them to walk. So, you know, I ask a lot of my patients, first of all, you know, when does your pain start? And a lot of them do say, I can't walk 50 feet. I can't go to Walmart or I can't go to to Kroger and get my shopping done unless I'm leaning on a cart. And when these people lean forward, it opens up the spine a little bit. What that does is it relieves the pressure leaves the pain, and uh, when they're leaning on that, it, it allows them to walk a little bit further. So a lot of these patients get relief by leaning forward, and that's really what we call that shopping cart syndrome, shopping cart syndrome. And so we've, when we have a patient in the clinic and, and we've talked to them about their symptoms, and in our minds we're thinking it's stenosis, uh, what are the, the imaging modalities or what, what kind of uh, studies might we send the patient to, to to look for stenosis? sitting down, relieved by leaning forward or leaning on a walker, leaning on a shopping cart, you know, talk to your doctor about it and tell them that you've had, you have these symptoms. And, and basically what they'll do is they'll do a, a simple exam, ask you some, a few questions. Um, the next step is to get an MRI. So we get an MRI of your spine. And what we're doing with the MRI is we're looking at the spinal cord and the nerves coming off the spinal to see if you can actually do have compression of those nerves or stenosis of those nerves. So um, we'll look at the MRI, and there's a ligament called the ligamentum flavum. And this is the ligament that I was talking about that gets thick and over time develops that stenosis. Uh, So we'll look at how thick that ligament is and uh, see if you're a candidate for some of the other procedures that we can do to help. 
And what are some of the, the, the initial or basic procedures we'll do to treat stenosis? Yeah, so, you know, one of the first things that uh, a lot of doctors do after they get the MRI is they'll go to get an epidural steroid infection, just a regular back infection, where they'll inject some, some contrast, some dye there to take a look and see uh, how stenosis uh, that area is. Uh, what I do with a lot of my patients is I will get the MRI, take them back, do a lumbar epidural steroid injection, and inject some, some dye to show them, hey, it really should be this thick all up and down your spine. And you see this little thin pencil line here where the dye is spread. That indicates that you've got stenosis. Well, that ligament is so thick that it's just not allowing the dye to spread. And that's really what's causing compression of those nerves. So, you know, a lot of these patients have had back injections before. You know, I had one patient the other day. Uh, he said, I've had these injections. It doesn't help. Um, and it only lasts for a couple of days. Well, that's typical in patients with spinal stenosis. The injections aren't going to help. It's not going to give you long-term relief. But really what we're doing here is kind of looking to see, kind of giving us a roadmap of where that stenosis is. Um, we inject some dye. So basically, I took him back, injected the dye, showed him where the dye did not spread down to the, the lower levels of his uh, lumbar spine, which indicated stenosis, and then signed them up for uh, what's called the MILES procedure or minimum lumbar decompression, where we can thin out that ligament. Yeah, that's a really great intro into the mild procedure. And uh, in a, the epidural injections for stenosis patients, I often see that that when the stenosis is more mild or, or when it's newer, uh, the epidural injections can work quite well. Sometimes they last for several months or, or, or longer. Uh, but then subsequent injections, just the duration of relief gets shorter and shorter. Uh, and I often think a lot, a lot about uh, kind of how uh, other things out, out in the how to make good analogies and compare this so so people can kind of understand it. And uh, I always think about the the sink or the shower uh, in my house. And and it's you know I have shorter hair, but you know not, I'm not the only one in the house. And so obviously this is not my fault. Uh, but over time that the you know the water starts backing up into the sink and and you're and you're um, you know okay okay let's go get the Drano. And I, and I kind of think of the epidural injections is putting some Drano down there and trying to just clear it out a bit. Uh, but when that's not working and that sink just keeps backing up. Um, then it's time to go kind of fish out that hairball. And, and maybe that's where, where, where we kind of transition and, and talk about something like the mild procedure where it's, you know, the, really the first first thing I, I like to go to when, when we have this stenosis is no longer really being adequately treated by an epidural. Uh, so uh, when you when we talk about the mild procedure, um, the, what, what does mild uh, stand for? Lumbar indicates that we're just working on your low back 
and, and decompression basically means that we're doing the same thing that Drano is doing and, and clearing out the uh, what's causing that stenosis, thinning out that ligament um, to open that space up and basically relieve the pressure on the nerves. So, and just like you said, patients that have mild stenosis, uh, you know, they do well with epidural steroid injections for a while, but you know, over time, you know, because of degenerative changes, we're treating a process that will continue. And all my patients always ask me, you know, is this is this going to really kind of stop the the development of that thickened ligament or development of that process over time? You know, you still uh, those degenerative changes cause that that ligament to thicken, and inflammation causes that to thicken. So um, basically what we're doing as those epidural steroid injections quit working, um, as those symptoms develop, this procedure goes in and thins out those ligaments. And uh, again, like I said, we're going through a little port the size of a, of a baby aspirin. Um, and you know, a lot of questions are, you know, do I have to be put to sleep for this? No, I've, I've done it under local anesthesia or just some light sedation. So, uh, you know, if you're not a candidate for surgery, I've got one patient that I just did this on. He uh, couldn't be put to sleep because of a lung disease. So we basically did this under just some local anesthetic, and he did well with it. Uh, so it's really a minimally invasive procedure, outpatient procedure that takes about 30 to 45 minutes, and, and people kind of go about their own, their own way. That, and, and really, it's just as safe as an epidural. Yeah, that was great. That was, I think the next way I wanted to go with this is talking about some of the, the safety profile of this. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, as safe as an epidural, I, I think another, rather than trying to, trying to have you try to read my brain here, I'll just kind of, one other thought I had is that when you have such a small incision or, you know, like a, really a punch incision the size of a baby aspirin, um, the risk for infection is very low too, because you're not having that big open incision that, that with a chance of really getting infected and, and you're also not leaving any implant in place. So, you know, I think that there's some, some important safety features there. Um, what for our listeners out there, uh, that, that take blood thinners or maybe have a, a heart condition or, or a clotting condition where they're on blood thinners, uh, how do you handle blood thinners as it relates to the mild procedure? So I usually handle these the same way as I would do for an epidural steroid injection. So, you know, if you're on blood thinners, we usually reach out to either your primary care physician or cardiologist to make sure that we can get you off the blood thinners for an appropriate amount of time. And, and we have guidelines that we all uh, refer to to how long that time is for each different blood thinner. So, you know, we uh, uh, get approval to get you off of that um, the same way we would do for an injection. Uh, so, you know, basically we get you off the blood thinner, do the, the mild procedure again, which is very safe, uh, very minimally invasive, short procedure. Uh, and then we can put you back on your blood thinner right after that. So uh, we treat it the same way we do with uh, epidural steroid injections. Now, you talked a, a little bit of, earlier about uh, the durability of this treatment. Uh, and, you know, when you're taking this ligament out, it takes quite a while to, to thicken back up. Uh, for our listeners out there, uh, I think it's important to know that this not only is anecdotal, but this is backed by, by research studies. Um, and and um, uh, do you, from that standpoint, um, do, you, do you have um, um, 
any background in in the in the Midas studies? Were you involved in those at all, or or uh, talk a little bit about the results for those? So I wasn't exactly involved in the in the Midas studies, but you know this has been studied for a while, and recently I think they came out with five year data showing kind of the, the durability of this. And uh, you know I think uh, one of your other participants up here said you know we kind of all practice evidence evidence based medicine. Now, to, to where you know we really need to see uh, the evidence out there to to show uh, how successful or how how good this procedure is. So, um, you know, it, it's taken a lot of my patients asking how long is this going to last. You know, there's only one patient out of I think I've probably done five or six hundred of these procedures. Only one patient that has I've had to do again. After two years of having the, the procedure done, so so you know all of these other patients that have done well with it, it takes you know fifty or sixty years to grow that ligament to be as thick as it, as it is. What we do is we go in and thin out this ligament, and it's going to take another you know twenty or thirty years for it to grow back. So so this procedure it does last. Uh, the work we've done to, to take the pressure off those nerves thin out the ligament uh, to open up that space uh, really leaves it open for really the rest of the lives. So you don't really have to repeat But the, the MIDAS study that you referred to um, is really level one evidence, which is really you know the, the best type of, of randomized study that you can get where it shows uh, you know, great evidence that people do well with this procedure out to even five years. So, so they continue to follow these patients, and uh, these patients are basically, you know, walking further, standing longer. You know, the first thing that I'll ask my patients is, you know, it will help with your pain, but more importantly, it will help with your function. So, you know, the first thing you'll notice is that, you know, you'll be able to stand longer at the sink, washing your dishes without having pain. You'll be able to walk through Walmart or walk through Kroger. Uh, without having pain, so um, so really, it's it's kind of it's long lasting, it's minimally invasive, it's safe. Um, there's very low risk for infection, and uh, really, after the procedure, I tell my patients just take it easy for that day. If you've had some anesthesia, um, just go home and rest, and then the next day you can really go back to your normal routine. Do you give your patients any any restrictions afterwards as far as bending or twisting or, or wearing a back brace or anything like that? No, not really. Uh, you know, if they're wearing a back brace already, I will just tell them to continue wearing that. Because, you know, I I think a back brace is good because it does add some stability and support. Uh, so, so I think that, you know, all patients with back problems should have some sort of back brace because... You know, two things it does, it gives some support, and uh, the other thing, it reminds us not to do things that, you know, not to do things that, that aggravate our pain. Um, you know, when you're bending, pick something up, bend at your knees, uh, just don't bend at your torso and, and lift up something heavy, because that does aggravate your pain. So, so it's just kind of a reminder to, to kind of not do things that may aggravate your pain. But normally, um, I don't, you don't have any restrictions after this procedure. As you said before, uh, there's no implant. 
So uh, there's nothing in there. And there's no stitches. Again, this is a little port the size of a baby aspirin. So really, we just put a Band-Aid over it, and that's it. So uh, we may incorporate some physical therapy. Uh, a lot of these patients haven't been walking for a long time and are deconditioned. So a couple, I'll see them back in two weeks. And usually about the two-week mark, we may start some physical therapy to, uh, to kind of help condition your muscles and, and kind of help the strengthen. So uh, I'm a big believer in physical therapy now. I had a, I recently had rotator cuff surgery right last year. <laughs> and uh, I'd say the physical therapy part of it is probably just as important as the surgery to, to kind of help with mobility, strengthening, uh, stretching, all of that stuff. And it really helps with pain a lot. That, that really is important to, to emphasize it. And like you mentioned, this is a slow process. And over time, people are walking less, they're moving less, their muscles are getting weaker, and they're getting, like you mentioned, deconditioned. Uh, and so afterwards, after we relieve the compression, uh, they got to kind of reverse that they got to get conditioned, uh, and they and need to start to be able to, to their muscles have to help them stand longer, they're, they're they got to get used to it, they're, they're going to have to kind of improve steadily. So I always talk to my patients as well that at that two week appointment, we very well may not really see a whole lot of difference yet, but, um, you know, stick with it. Uh, that six week visit, it'll be a lot better. And, and like we mentioned with the, the, the Midas and the Midas Encore studies, you know, th there is some, uh, continued improvement the first six months or more after this procedure. And there's also that sustained relief. So I think getting to that point is a lot of, of, uh, once you've physically or mechanically have been able to give them the ability to, to stand and walk further. They need to start doing that uh, and, and building up the, the functional or the conditioning component to it. Exactly. And I think there's a Cleveland Clinic study out there that <clears throat> really goes out to two years where you know, there's continued improvement, even up to two years. So, so about 50% of my patients, you know, when they get done with the procedure, they're, they're pain, pain free and they're doing great. The other 50%, you know, as you said, it, you know, they may not see much of a difference, but but with physical therapy over time, that does continue to get better. Um, and you know, from the Cleveland Clinic study, even up to two years, you continue to improve the the distance that you can walk and the amount of time that you can stand. So um, you know, these patients continue to to do well over time. The other thing is that um, also we've opened up that space. So now, when we're injecting medication for the epidural, uh, you know, these patients now have a, a space that is opened up, so they may get better relief and longer-term relief from the epidural injection. So, so I don't hesitate to, to inject these patients even after they've had a mild procedure, and, and they seem to get better relief from these injections after we've opened up that space. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and then I guess one last comment I'll make on the mild procedure is that it can be done at, at more than one level. Uh, so when we, uh, uh, I think most people, they look at their MRI reports if they get them and, and they see a, a whole lot of information on there. Uh, and with a degenerative process like stenosis, uh, it's very often that there's going to be more than one level that has a problem. Uh, and through the same incision, you can, you can treat more than one level with the procedure, which I think is, uh, which is really great as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, up to three levels both sides at, at one time so uh, 
And then I've also had patients that I've brought back. I've done two levels. I've brought them back to do uh, another two, uh, other two levels. So, you know, if you have stenosis in, in one area, very rarely do you have it just in one level. Most patients do have that multiple level. The good thing is that now we can go in and treat multiple levels. And just like you said, you know, a lot of these patients do have more than one thing going on. So, you know, certainly uh, this is just one step in the process of, of helping your pain symptoms. There's other things that we'll have to do. You know, we have to inject the sets, burn the nerves, do, do all these other things well after the mild procedure to, to kind of help these other things that are going on. Yeah, and also the mouth procedure doesn't burn any bridges, so we're we're not we're not doing anything that's uh, um, going to cause potential problems later. If if your if your spine surgeon needs to go in there and truly do something like a like a spinal fusion, uh, so I, I think it's it's a great first step for patients. If it, uh, and for those patients that doesn't work really well, that, that they're still a candidate for a more invasive, much bigger you know, uh, you know spinal surgery that that a orthopedic or, or a neurosurgeon might do. Uh, but then, uh, you know, kind of transitioning in, as we tease at the very beginning of this episode, uh, transition to something we both have a lot of passion about. Um, when, when you have patients who've had all of this, they've had spine surgery, they've had, maybe they've had a failed um, knee replacement or hip replacement. Uh, uh, one, one option we have is something called an intrathecal pump or a pain pump. Uh, and uh, Dr. Bucks is, is one of the international experts on, on intrathecal pumps, and, and he's been important to, and involved in a, in, in a lot of the guidelines we've developed and, and, and other things. And so um, it's another passion of mine. So that, this is a great opportunity to, to talk a little bit about targeted drug delivery as well. So um, as I've teased it up a little bit, but what, what is a pain pump? Or when we say pain pump, um, what are we referring to? great transition there again and patients do fail the mild we, we have a lot of other things in our bags that, that can help you with pain um, and, and one of these is pain pump so basically you know a pain pump is, is just a, a delivery device it's a it's a uh, pump that delivers medicine through a catheter into where your spinal fluid is to to help relieve the pain um, you know a lot of these patients that are, are taking I just say it's like crushing up your pain pills, putting it in a catheter or two, and delivering it to the source of your pain, um, which is your low back a lot of times, or your neck. So uh, a lot of these patients do have just kind of low back pain, neck pain, uh, which is constant. Um, When they take a pill, you know, they get relief for a few hours, but then it comes back. and, uh, and then they, they have to take another pill. Uh, basically, what this is, is, is continuously delivering medicine over 24 hours and all the time to the source of the pain. It's all metabolized in your spinal fluid, so you don't really get spread of the medicine throughout your body or to your brain. Uh, very low doses, about 300 times stronger than the pill. Uh, so with just a little bit of medicine, we're able to provide pain relief to the back or the neck um, and through this tube, delivering to the spinal fluid. Yeah, and like you mentioned, uh, w- since it is more potent and we can deliver a lot less medicine, uh, that's going to avoid some of the cognitive side effects, some of the constipation and, and other issues that people deal with with, the, with their 
oral medications. Uh, and also, I, I, when I think when you, uh, you know, deliver it continuously um, and you don't have that on and off of the, of the pills and you also don't have the, the big, you know, many, many milligrams of pills. I mean, people are taking, uh, you know, Percocet, they're taking five milligrams, 7.5 milligrams, 10 milligrams of, of medicine uh, multiple times a day. We might be delivering, you know, less than a milligram uh, total in a day. Uh, and so I think it really helps cut down on on some of the tolerance and in, in, in the um, physical dependence of these medicines to help with the you know providing more sustained durable relief with with the pump therapy as well. Yeah, I mean I think you had Dr. Viewer on uh, one of these podcasts not too long ago, so so he's another one of the world experts on pain pumps, and I know uh, you, you're you're an expert yourself in pain pumps, having done a lot of these, but uh, you know really. It's, it's great for patients that have low back pain or neck pain or even both. I put them in kind of for patients that have both neck and low back pain. And, you know, just delivering a, a minute amount of medicine uh, you know, gives them great pain relief, changes their lives. Uh, you know, I've started watching a, a series, Dope Sick. I don't know if you've seen that, but, uh, but it's kind of crazy. Uh, you know, it talks about Oxycontin and how that came about with Purdue Pharma. And, you know, you see these people, they started out taking medicine at, at low low doses. Or after a period of time, it doesn't work well, and you keep increasing and increasing and increasing. And they kept having to make, you know, bigger pills, more milligrams, to, to get, uh, to provide pain relief for these patients. So just like you said, you know, with the pain pump, at these low doses, you don't really develop a tolerance. So, you know, we do have to go up some, but it is more potent, you know, 300 times stronger than the pill, so we can provide pain relief at one milligram as opposed to, to taking a bunch of pills. So, uh, now a lot of these patients want to get off the pill or they have side effects with their pills. So, um, you know, the first thing I do is when I put a pain pump in, I kind of wean them off their pills sure you've seen it's changed people's lives kind of allows them to go back to work play with their grandkids do a lot of the stuff that they couldn't do before um because they're getting, getting pain relief now. yeah and and i think that uh pump therapy in my practice it, it's the one therapy that that our my patients tell all their friends and family and other patients about more than more than any other uh and we have a lot of great procedures we do but I feel like the word of mouth with pump therapy is, is maybe as high as any of them. And what's important about that is it means it's working. You know, that people are people are happy to share that they're that they're no longer having to take their medications, that that uh, you know, Dr. Bucks is is was the hero who who saved me. Like I, I, I almost sometimes like I had a lady yesterday I was doing an injection on for her knee, uh, who the pump is just working so well for her back and she's and she's had so many back surgeries and she she, it almost makes me kind of embarrassed when she starts singing my praises because it's like, okay, well, I just like, you know, I'm doing my job. I'm taking care, <laughs> taking care of you. Uh, you're making me like blush here. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things with the pumps, like we mentioned, it does get your life back and, and breaking free of the medicine is really important, the oral medicine. And, and I, I think that patients should, there is some, some nervousness around that process, but, but it's really about preparing you for a really successful implant. Uh, and, 
if you are, uh, you know, if you are uh, trying to quit smoking, um, you don't just pop the, the, uh, the, uh, nicoderm patch on or the patch on for the, the, I forget the name of it, but the, the prevent smoking and then just keep smoking and just try to decrease your cigarette smoking a little bit at a time. Uh, and so with, with pumps, it's really the same thing. You know, you want to wean the medicine beforehand, get that out of the way. So that way the pump can really just focus on, you can focus on getting better. You know, you can, all you gotta do is get better than it. You don't have to worry about trying to break free of the medicine after the pump. Well, and a lot of these patients we've seen that, you know, the main medicine's not working anyway. So yeah. if it's not working anyway, um, that's what we do. Try to transition them, uh, kind of off the pills. And, and we, we try this first to make sure it's going to work. So, uh, you know, the good thing is, is that you try it out. I did a couple of trials the other day. Um, these patients came off their pills, um, in anticipation for the trial. And then, you know, they walked out. This one guy said that he hasn't felt this good in 15 years. So, you know, the trial for me, it, it's just a single shot of medicine, so it's temporary. It only works for a day. But um, during that day, you kind of see the light and you get a little pain relief. And, and then we, we proceed to the implant. You know, if the trial works, then uh, the indication is that the, the pain pump's probably going to work for you. So, uh, you know, once once they get relief with the trial, it's very easy to convince people to go on with the implant because they do feel so good during that period of time. Yeah. And then I guess one last thing on, on pump therapy, what, what is it like for patients in your practice after they have the pump? How often are they, they coming back into the office? What's the, what's the, uh, how, how some of it changes afterwards? How do they get more medicine in the pump? Uh, that kind of stuff. Yep. So, you know, once, once we put a pump in, um, you know, people ask about the battery life of the pump. Certainly that is anywhere from, from seven to 10 years, depending on, on the, whichever pump you're using. And, uh, and then, you know, we put medicine in there and usually change it out about every three months. So basically you come in in three months, we go into the pump, which is just, a, it's done in the office. We just go through a little port in the middle of the pump, take out the old medicine and, and put in the new. So, you know, once we get it set right, you know, the good thing about the pump also is we can certainly make adjustments along the way and, and increase your dose, uh, change different medicines. There are several different medicines that we can use in the pump. So if one medicine doesn't work, we can always put in a different medication. Um, and we change that about every three months. Um, also, you do have a device where you can give yourself some extra medicine if you need to. So, so say you're, you're going out shopping, you're going to work in the bar, doing something that, that causes you some pain. Uh, there's a little device like your cell phone that you can kind of give yourself a little boost of medicine in addition to that continuous infusion that you're getting that to give you added relief. So, um, you know, pain pumps work great. Uh, you know, I've, we've got about I think, 600 patients uh, in the practice that have a pain pump. I know you have several several hundred yourself but um but you know these, these uh, this is really giving patients uh you know, pain relief allow them to, to do the stuff that they couldn't do before much like the mild procedure allows people to function and, and help with their pain yeah that's great and, and uh 
You know, the when you when you kind of think about it the, as a side benefit, uh, I mean, you go for somebody goes to the pharmacy at least twelve times a year, uh, pays copays twelve times a year. They're coming into the office. They're they're um, you know having their medication counted every time they're coming in, uh, and then and then you kind of transition and when you get it working well. They're coming in once every three months, and the the medicine's shipped to our office and and refilled in the pumps. So they don't even have to go to the pharmacy for it. It's kind of a, it's it, it's kind of a a cool side benefit that you know the, we do this for a medical reason, but but just the secondary benefits of, of how it improves some of the other factors in your life. It's always a fun thing to 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 think about and talk about with patients as well. Well, and they're also not looking at you know looking at the clock as to when it's mm-hmm. time to take. So, you know, you're getting relief without having, having to, to depend on the bills. Uh, a lot of my patients tell me now, you know, nowadays there's kind of a stigma attached to taking pain pills. Uh, and they just don't want that. So, um, you know, the, the benefits of the pump is, is that it's taking care of their pain. They're not having to depend on pills at all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it, time has flown by. We're 37 minutes into this already. Uh, so... Um, you know, I'm going to start to close it out here. Uh, you know, we talked about two great treatments. Uh, the, the mild procedure is really the focus of this podcast, uh, and it's a treatment for something called spinal stenosis. Uh, so if you have uh, a painful condition in your back or you're having trouble with standing and walking and it's just get your, your, your trips to the, to the mailbox are getting harder and harder to accomplish, your trips around the store are getting harder, um, epidural injections that, that we've done were, used to work well and they're, they're not working as well anymore. Uh, this is a great procedure uh, to to do, and it's a great procedure to talk to your provider about. And, and if your provider is not familiar with the mild procedure, um, you know, ask around, see where else you might be able to to go to get the procedure because it's it's really safe, it's very effective. Uh, and then again, we have uh, other adv- advanced therapies. We offer things like the the, the pain pump that that can be a, a great uh, option for patients, and and um, you know, truly not a salvage end of the line therapy. It's just the, the next step in your therapy when, when the time is right. Uh, so Dr. Bucks, thank you very much for joining me. Um, for the, those of you that you can't see us cause you're just listening to us, but it's early in the morning. We're about to start our weekends. Uh, I get to go to the lake. Dr. Bucks gets to go work and then, uh, go, and then go, go enjoy his weekend. Uh, so Andrew, thanks. Thank you very much for, for joining and, uh, have a good rest of your day, bud. Michael, thanks for having me on. Ask your, you know, patients out there, just ask your physician about it. You know, if you start having pain in your legs, standing or walking, or maybe getting heavy, that's another, that's another symptom we didn't really touch on, but heaviness in the leg, another uh, symptom of, of spinal stenosis. But, you know, ask your physician about it, or even Google, Google spinal stenosis, and that can kind of uh, open up a whole host of, of, of treatments uh, or conditions that do the mild. Same thing with pain pumps. You know, I have a lot of patients that, that found me just by Googling pain pumps. So, uh, but, uh, you know, if your patient's out there uh, with these symptoms, uh, look online, ask your physician about it. Uh, certainly a lot of different <coughs> treatment modalities out there that can help. All right. Well, that's great. Well, this is another episode of Premier Pain Talk. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Michael Danko. With me, with me today was Dr. Anjum Bucks. Uh, and uh, uh, check us out on any platform that you listen to for your podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and, and give us comments.
Thanks for listening to Premier Pain Talk, where we understand your pain and share solutions that can improve your quality of life. This episode is brought to you by Premier Pain Treatment Institute, which has convenient Cincinnati area locations in Loveland, Mount Orb, and Hillsborough. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you get updates on all new episodes. Feedback is sincerely appreciated. 